Hey everyone, this is The Record, and this is the second episode of the podcast. Today we are talking to my good friend Owen Pye, and I'd like for him to introduce himself because I'm not sure what genre he technically puts himself in these days. So Owen, if you would give yourself a little intro. Sure, sure. Uh, hey everybody, my name is Owen, as Nick so profoundly stated. Uh, I don't really know what the genre would be classified if I was actually selling records, but <laughs> since I'm not, I'd say it's like indie folk music. Okay. So, you know, something you like to listen to before you, while you're, you know, looking for your other CDs. <laughs> so you merely consider yourself the elevator music of indie folk rock. Yes. That's oh, good. That's, that's really that's selling yourself high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, I figured, like, set the bar low so if anyone listens to it. That's I mean, true. Really only one way to go up, and that's up. So I think uh, it's all about expectation these days. And as long as you undersell yourself and really make yourself sound like trash, it's only up from there. So yeah. people can only think highly of you. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a good uh, good philosophy to live by. But um, we'll get right into this. Uh, you and I met, I wouldn't know the date by hand, but a good long time ago in a place called Mount Vernon, Illinois. Yep. At, uh, I'm totally drawing a blank. What's the venue? The living room. Yep. And uh, you were, we, we didn't, our bands didn't know each other. You were just... A dude who set up a suitcase on the table and unfolded all kinds of merch out of it and then went on stage <laughs> by himself and i remember the first little moment in my head that kind of clicked was when you covered death cab and oh, nice. i knew and it wasn't just hey i'm just gonna play this death cab song like you you could tell that you really put time and effort into that cover you made it your own and uh, we were all really impressed, but me especially because I'm a big Death Cab fan. So I actually, uh, like a month ago, I found the video I recorded of you playing that. It's on YouTube still, and uh, I, had a ni- I had a nice little moment remembering that. that well, was a, I, I, a good I intro. Track, I keep track of every date of a show that I've ever played. And oh, okay. I can tell you it was February 24th, 2007. Wow. Well done, sir. I don't know what day of the week that is, so... Well, then what's the point? Right. Well, that's, uh... (laughs) So, let's see. When did you consider yourself, like, seriously touring a serious musician? Because I'm curious where we met up in that timeline. Yeah. That's a a good question. Um, I I mean, I've always... I always considered myself... I always thought I was a serious musician, mm-hmm. but then like now looking back, I guess I can put my finger on when I probably actually was serious and like, and I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but I put up my first record in 06 and it was kind of like, I was still in high school and it was like kind of that record. And then when I met you, I was still playing some of those songs and, you know, I still like liked some of the songs off of that album, but. Um, I was kind of looking forward towards the future, and um, I was touring a lot when you saw me. Uh, yeah, you were. I remember looking at your dates. Like I thought we were on some, we were making some serious headway, and then I saw your dates, and I was like, <laughs> "What is this guy doing?" <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I think that 2007 would be a, a time where I like really thought, okay, this is something I need to really hit hard, and uh, just see where it goes, and. Um, 
I didn't have a like an awesome plan as far as I didn't have like a five year plan mm-hmm. laid out, but I knew that this is what I wanted to be doing, and uh, I knew I'd eventually get like a better record out. But my main goal was just playing shows and getting and getting what I did have out there, and um, so I think it um, 2007 would be a good time to say that that's when I was being really serious about it. So. So, for those who are not familiar with you, what was the name of your first record? Uh, the first one was called If That's Cool With You. If That's Cool With You. And I remember we when we toured, it wasn't like people were flinging their demos at us or anything, but I remember we got a hold of your album. I think we traded CDs, and then we had a pretty decent drive either that night or the following night, and I remember popping that in and being really impressed, even though it was more like... A, like a lo-fi record yeah. that kind of added something to it it made it more genuine and uh i really fell for that record we all really liked the songs on that record and uh even even today having heard you grow throughout your albums there are some songs on that that i think are still pretty strong they hold up today i don't know how you feel about it but uh but well, I, I feel uh, really happy you're hearing you say that it means a lot to me man but you know i i, I do i do try to I I do think that the album, you know, had its moments where it is raw. I mean, like, there's no getting around that. It's really raw. We recorded, like, just about every song on that record, like, in one take, all live. So it was just kind of a friend of mine, John Crane, I used to play music with him, and he just had a mic in his basement. And he's like, he's kind of lazy, and so was I. So that was kind of, <laughs> that's what you get. But um, um, we had a lot of fun, and we did it, like, all in about a day. So I, I, you can definitely hear that on there, how it's very just like, it sounds like that. It sounds like two guys were like, hey, we should just record this today and did it. So, But I, I'm glad that you, that you liked it. So hopefully, you know, I'm not my own. Hopefully I'm the worst critic out there is me. So I think that's just how it goes. And yeah. in terms of like a timeline for a musician, I think that's how it starts is you talk to a friend who has some recording experience and then you say, well, we're free this weekend, let's do it. And then it starts as one takes and just straight bare bone songs. And then as you progress throughout the years, you go higher and higher production. And then I think you come back to doing those one take songs and the more amateur indie sound where it just sounds like a garage again because there's something that gets lost in the higher production albums that you miss from the old days of just going in everyone in the same room playing and hearing the mess ups yeah yeah i think hearing your album was our way a good way of showing us that just because your first album sounds a little more amateur a little more indie in the garage it doesn't take away from how good the songwriting is still and i think that held true throughout that i don't know how you feel about it but geez well thanks well nick you know i i look up to you as a musician so anything you say makes my heart melt a little oh boy no i just uh, even i just i think anyone who's heard that album really likes the songs on it i you know i think it's just that simple the songs straight to their core are just good songwriting so for a first album, you can definitely do worse. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> but um, enough, enough praises. Um, let's yeah. take it from the beginning. Where, uh, where did you come from aside from your parents? Like, how did everything start? <laughs> Where'd you grow up? 
Um, I grew up in a town called Highland, Illinois. Isn't that where you currently still are? Um, sort of. I live about 20 minutes from Highland. Oh, okay. But when I travel, I still tell people that I'm from Highland, and it's pretty much true, you know, because my wife and I moved to Lebanon, which is about 20 minutes from Highland. Mm-hmm. But it's like we haven't bought a house yet, so until I buy a house, I still am from Highland. So yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I'm still renting, but um, and then when I travel like away from Illinois, people don't know where Highland is. I usually just say St. Louis. But uh, I guess I I started playing music um, just in like random garage bands. I had a neighbor that played drums, and I owned a guitar. A guitar. That the keyboard is I owned one. I didn't really know how to play it, so we just kind of got together and and you know palled around with that for a while, and then we started like a a cover band, and oh, please uh, tell me the cover band had a name. Oh yeah, I did. Oh yeah, you <laughs> would tell me you remember it. It's so bad. It's oh, so that, bad. that's exactly why I'm prying. I need to hear oh. the name of this band. Okay, here it is. It was called Minority Breed. Yes. It was a real band name. I'm letting that uh, just gain its flavors in the air. It's uh, hanging up there, and I'm really letting it sink in. <laughs> Nick, I've never told anybody this. Ever. Well, it is official. We have uh, an exclusive on the podcast, Minority Breed, album coming out this summer. <laughs> but, so, dude, we had a, uh, we'd, we'd convinced my parents to let us do, like, random shows there. And I still once in a while have a house show at my parents' house. Oh, wow. It's, it's still big enough to do it. But we used to do like house shows there. And, you know, in junior high, you know, you can fit a lot of little junior high kids in a basement. Yeah, that's true. Um, I remember we had like. I mean, not that I know that for any reason. <laughs> uh, we still. <laughs> we, we would get like 150 kids down there. And we just loved music. And that's before everyone was do, into drugs and alcohol. Like, not me personally, but just, you know, that was. Before that, like everyone was still so innocent. And, oh, okay, yeah. And just wanted to have fun. You know, it's like, oh, we drank three sodas. Uh oh. You know, um, well, back but, uh, in Wakanda, that was a whole different game. We were starting real early. So <laughs> by then, we were already on our way out. We had gone to rehab and, you know, we were in the six and seven steps. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan's hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she um, learned from Wakanda's finest. Gosh. Um, so we, with that I got a taste for it from there. Just like, how um, like music really does bring people together, even at early age. And then I started playing a band um, that was a little bit better, and a little bit is a very, yeah, I don't even know. But they were called the Amandas. It was like a punk rock band. Excellent. And uh, we played for like eight months or something. Um, and then finally, uh, the band that I used to listen to, uh, and feel free to dub any of this out if you feel like it's pretty boring. <laughs> no, I'm trust me. This is the stuff I like. <laughs> Um, so then I, 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 uh, the band that I used to listen to that was the only local band that was good was a band called Cat Jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like kind of like blues, indie, I don't even know what you call it. The, the word indie wasn't even used very right. often then. But, uh, um, they were really, really talented and their bass player had to go to college. So they were like, hey, oh, anyone play bass for us? I was like, yes, absolutely. So, um, I grew up a lot in from like, sophomore year of high school to senior year of high school playing in that band um we toured a little bit through the summers um just because we wanted to get our feet wet with it right. just to see if we'd like it 
and it it didn't really get past the like once you know one week tour a year kind of thing. It was just kind of like a fun fun part of it. But um, we did a couple of albums. The the last one we put out was called Until the Beat Stops, and it was um, we did it all ourselves and uh, um, took us like you know nine months to record. I, we used like uh, it wasn't I can't remember the program we used. It wasn't GarageBand. It wasn't Pro Tools, but it was one of those like cheap programs. We did it all ourselves, and we spent like three months on segways and just made it. You know, really did a good job with it, and we, we were pretty proud of it. But um, senior year, it kind of just turned into uh, like I could tell none of the guys really wanted to go far with it, except for maybe one of the other dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just thought, hey, I kind of want to do more with this. So I left just because I wanted to see what else was out there. Um, and that's when I kind of started doing own pie stuff, um, and that was right when MySpace was like the thing. So, mm. um, I, I just recorded like one or two songs on my mom's computer, put it up on MySpace, and just started adding tons of people and spamming the world. And uh, um, from there, a, like a small label out of Connecticut had called me and said that they wanted to help me out. So. Um, they helped me put out if that's cool with you and it wasn't a super huge deal at all it was just kind of a promotional deal they they kind of helped me pay for some stuff and get that going so i think from there i thought oh hey you know music can be just more than more than just like your local scene yeah uh and that's why i just started touring a lot and uh, doing that as soon as i graduated high school i started doing it and uh um i don't know man like that's kind of up to this point i've been touring and traveling and um meeting people like you guys and um i don't like that's what keeps me going man like just the the face to face like meeting people at shows and uh the relationship side of it more so than the music at this point i think so well i think that uh that's pretty impressive that your first album got picked up by any label and the that they helped even in a monetary way because i think especially when the MySpace thing was really cooking, there were a lot of people who were starting their own labels out of their garages and stuff. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> for our first EP, I remember we recorded that and we met with a guy named Brandon. And yeah. I think his label was called Little Man, Little Man Records or something. And <laughs> he wanted to put it out. And we were just excited about, oh God, it's a label. Like we're really cooking. Yeah. And then we met this guy, and he was a complete maniac. He uh, he came to Andrews, and we were practicing, and he just stopped us at some point. And he goes, "Do you mind if I just grab the mic? I, just start start playing like a like a metal song. I got to get some stuff out." And we just all kind of reluctantly. I mean, we just laughed, and we're like, "Yeah, whatever." I mean, we're pretty free going. We'll just do this, and we start playing, and he's doing like every typical hardcore singer move in the book he's like grinding his teeth and like swinging his arms he's picking up change and he's just screaming this nonsense and i think it was at that point that we realized this is not a guy with a record label this is just a maniac right (laughs) so to hear that you got you know a label that actually was somewhat legit and wanted to help you in other ways aside from, you know, just, Oh, I'll burn some CDRs for you and hand them out at school. Like 
<laughs> it's kind of impressive to hear the first album out that they helped in that way. I mean, that's that's not that common. Usually, it's a couple records in, even if it is a small label. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I still to this day have never met the guy that ran everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I still talk to him. I still talk to him on like, um, you know, like Facebook chat and stuff. He's a really good dude. Yeah. He's he's still got a few copies of that record in his garage. I've been buying them from him slowly just to kind of help him because he put it was kind of him just putting his own money into everything. So oh, okay. I know I know he's not made a profit thus far from it, but you know who does. Yeah, it was more of a hobby for him, and and he wanted to do it. And uh, it was having a couple other guys, and I met literally one guy off that label the entire time on there. And there was one other band on the label, and their name was Nickname for Richard, which I think is the most (laughs) best, you know, best worst band name ever. (laughs) I don't know what was the cover band called. (laughs) Exactly, Minority (laughs) Breed. Yeah. But um, I know that like none of the other bands were like really doing anything, so I think that kind of killed killed their uh, aspirations, I guess. So yeah, it was kind of everyone had to fly or the whole thing wouldn't go. But who cares? Um, <laughs> to uh, to go back a little bit, yeah. are there any cat jump songs that are still in existence? Yeah, that I could hear. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll send you the I'll send you a whole record that we did. That's awesome. Um, I would. I would if there's one song on there, I'd love to play this on here. Play uh, okay. your favorite catch up song. Okay. Just let I'll, me know uh, what the name of that is, and I'll definitely play it on here. You want me to say it? When you think yes. of it, say it. Okay. Um, this is an old cat jump song. And geez, I'm trying to think of what I should what I should say here. Uh, I mean, you don't have to have a whole set intro. Just if there's if it's your favorite, it's your favorite. Right. Right. Uh, this is probably. My favorite one was probably Too Hard. Too Hard. Okay. Too hard. Yeah. She talks big, she talks too much, she doesn't talk at all. I keep crying and trying and trying, but I just keep hitting the wall. There's too much pressure, too much stress, her eyes are like burning cold. Too much pain, too much to gain from the loving. So I guess I take it too hard. I guess I take it too hard. I take it hard when we're together, hard when we're apart. So after uh, after you do, if that's cool with you, okay. then you just hit the road real heavy. At what point, like in the midst of all that, do you start going? Like, what's the next step? How do you start figuring out the next steps while you're just in the middle of it, just hitting the road hard? Right. Well, um, a lot of the life decisions that had happened kind of affected what I was doing. Basically, I toured until um, I met my wife, um, and she wasn't my wife when I met her. But Your we, wonderful uh, wife, Jillian? Yes, she's, she is wonderful. Her name is Jillian, and she's cool. But she, we started dating, and uh, I was still touring at this point, but... Uh, um, we we got engaged like six months after we started dating. Pretty impressive. Yeah, we were just kind of knew that there was like we knew what we were both signing up for, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So we're like, let's do this, you know. And uh, we got engaged, and then nine months later, we were married. Wow. So it was crazy. 
So uh, we had planned to kind of just be married for a little while and then um, get back on the road and start and start going again. Um, but then, like four months into being married, we found out we were a couple months pregnant. We're like, man, oh, fast so. movers, you two. <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't mess around. <laughs> um, somewhere in here, where like I was just having like a full time job and supporting my wife, and um, at this time I was actually meeting with a couple other guys. Um, playing music and they started playing Owen Pie stuff with me and we did a whole record together and that was the uh, Owen Pie and the Sunday School Band record right um, and then that that album's actually really uh, I'm really proud of that one that one came out turned out really well um, and then uh, Jillian and I hung out and after Cash got my son then after he was born um, we kind of chilled out for like another I don't even know how long um, but last year, 2011, um, February is when my newest record came out, and we just felt like late 2010 that I was going to put in my uh, notice at my job and just say, hey, this is we've waited long enough for going back out. So um, this past year, um, February, I quit my job. And uh, mind you, this is the first time I quit my job with a wife and a kid, you know. Yeah. And I was like, all right, here, this is real, you know. So I quit my job and then uh, we toured for like three or four months, pretty solid. Um, but I had this like idea in my mind that I could be traveling and booking at the same time. Which you know that that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then also I didn't figure in that I'm also a dad and a husband now. When I'm not playing a show and I'm not driving in the car, I really need to, you know, put some time in with those, you know. In those two areas of my life, so um, that became really hard. So, long story short, the shows started out really well, and they slowly, kind of week by week, got worse and worse. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. The first couple months, like I was able to pay all our bills and no problems there. And the last couple months, it was just kind of like, oh, this is really hard. So, uh, um, I also do like some. I'm involved in some like Christian music somewhat, and I got the pleasure to play at this camp last June. That was the last thing on our schedule, this like week long camp. And I got to play in front of these kids for, you know, five days or whatever. That was fun. Um so I got home from that and uh and baby uh bass singer. He sang for a band called Bleach. Nick you actually met him at Agape last year. Yes I did. He filled in on drums. But he uh he's kind of a role model for me. Just he uh, wrote a song that I cover at my shows and we kind of became friends through that because he'd heard about me covering his music and he checked out my music. Um, so anywho, he uh, called me and he was like, hey man, uh, what would you think about you know working with us on our label? And I was like, okay. So I was kind of like at that point last June, I was like, uh, this is kind of a crossroads for me. I need to either figure out a different way to do this or you know, figure out a different way to do this. Basically, I signed with um, their label they're been they've been awesome so far, and right now I'm just working on a new record to get back out there, man. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's kind of up to this point. Did I explain that very well? <laughs> yes, you did. Um, I'm probably gonna jump back a little bit, but uh, I think it's something that goes unnoticed. But the not only the musician in a serious relationship, but the touring musician who's married and on top of that as a kid like being on the road just by yourself 
and keeping yourself sane, that's, you know, that's tough as it is. For sure. And then you're adding these other layers to it where it's not about just making enough money to feed yourself that night. You've got bills, you've got priorities back home you got to take care of. So, right. It, how do you how do you deal man i i have a very big i have a lot of respect for any musician who has a family and is trying to tour and is trying to make it because like i said it's tough enough as it is without all that then you add those layers and right it gets nuts well i mean like the thing is was like when i toured by myself i know how you how you're the same way it's like you know, we'll sleep on the floor. We don't care. Mm-hmm. But then when you have a kid, it's like, can't make your kid sleep on the floor. Can't make your wife sleep on the floor. You know, just yeah. not, there's something, I don't know, just makes you feel wrong doing yeah. that. So, like, just, like, you know, being really um, purposeful when, like, planning shows and, like, really trying to get, like, the back end of everything figured out. Like, okay, where are we staying? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, ho- hotels, I, as much as they are um, nice, like they're still not really optimal for me because even with a family, like I, the relational part of like getting to know people and letting people host us is like a huge part of it. Right. Um, so I never want to lose that part of it. But just like being like, okay, I really need to check these people out before we stay with them because they may try to kill me and my kid. <laughs> you know, but you and I both know like those crazy people are like, you can count them on one hand usually. Yeah. Um, most people out there really do care about the bands and the musicians that come through. But I, I mean, I just, it just put it all in perspective. It's like, all right, I can, I can, uh, you know, be a professional musician, um, and do this right. Or I can be a little kid and just, you know, just be a hobby like everybody else. So, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, and honestly, man, I think it just, I think it just helps you put it in all perspective and like, just put, put it in gear and do it. It's just, and you, when you know it's not just about you, because if it's just about you, then it's like, whatever. You can yeah. skip a meal or two. Mm-hmm. But if you know that you have that responsibility, it does kind of it does is a good motivator. So, it seems like it helps you grow up yeah. real fast on all kinds of assets. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm just trying to grow up as a musician as well. Like write better songs all the time. That's the hard part. <laughs> well, I I feel like that's just a bad of opportunity talking about dealing with all that growth and how to keep yourself intact while yeah raising a family i feel like there's so many emotional struggles in there that that's like four albums alone just dealing with that let alone the people you meet along the way and the issues you deal with as you grow older yeah so that's it's it's always interesting to me there's there's really only you and marky from the felix culpa were the two that i always think about like like I'd be complaining or thinking about you know missing my girlfriend on the road, and then I was like, "Well, we're we're not even married, and we don't even have kids. Like this, <laughs> I'm gonna stop complaining." Like, but but I don't want to um, make make little of that. It's still you know it's still real to have a a girlfriend you know back home. Like that's still huge. You know, like missing mm-hmm. that. And dude, I, I'm not trying to belittle that at all. So no, I I'm just saying that. When you think you've got a hard, just put it in perspective because there's people who, you know, they're not just trying to make enough money to eat Denny's. They they got a family back home. They have money. They have to actually make a certain amount. It's, yeah, like you said, it's not like you can just skip a meal or 
throw your <laughs> wife on the floor to sleep that night. Like there's there's, right. a, there's a certain level you got to meet. Right. <laughs> so that's I've I've always had a respect for that. The musician in in a marriage with a family, it just it seems like a whole lot to deal with. So my hats off to you, sir. But you have a very supportive family, it seems, so that probably helps out a lot more than many other situations out there. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I mean, uh, I hear more and more every day about bands, you know, their girlfriend or their spouse, like, making them choose, like, me or the band, and, and, like, I know my wife would never do that. Yeah. Like, she knows what she signed up for from day one, and um, just kind of a disclaimer out there for anyone that's in a relationship like that, and in music, it's like... You know, define the relationship way before that happens, so you're not having to. And I, I don't, I don't think I'd ever want my uh, spouse, you know, hypothetically, to choose me over their passion. Yeah, that just seems so. Like, why can't you have both? You know, right. Um, and I know that music is not always going to look exactly the same as it is, as it does today, as it will ten years from now. You know, it's always going to be changing for everybody that's involved with it. So, um, I don't know. So, well, my hat's up to you, family man. And, uh, <laughs> speaking of your family, so yeah. you said you have a son, his name is cash. How old is he? He, he just turned three in July. Wow. And, uh, what's it like to be a dad, man? <laughs> uh, it's crazy, man. Like I'm just, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta, like really think about what I say around them, <laughs> where <laughs> where I could say anything around my wife or my friends, right. like it, goofing off or or serious. But now I'm like I have to like really th- think about what I'm saying. Or the other day he uh, he borrowed my computer. He's like, Dad, let me get my let me get on your computer. I'm like, okay. And he's like typing away. He like I just opened like text edit form. He's just like typing away. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He goes, uh, hold on a second, Dad. I'm busy. He told me that, and I had to like think about it. like. All right, he's mimicking me, you know. What yeah, I mean? <laughs> and like it just, it just makes you go, okay, all right, maybe I should uh, really check myself with like everything that I do. It's like, yeah, you you don't want to be too busy for your kid because you're you know checking Facebook or whatever. Yeah. So it's dude, it's awesome. I, he's a he's a great dude. He loves music. He loves people. You know. So he's all about it. He's all about it. Yeah, that's he, great. The, but the older he gets, he does realize how loud the music is. So right, yeah. He's starting to be more like, oh, dad, turn that down. <laughs> when he was he's like, gone from being two years old to being sixty in a year, it's just, oh, just turn it down. <laughs> so he's, he's freaking cool, though, man. Like, he, yeah, yeah. What about what about this dog? I keep hearing making noises. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long it would take for you to notice that you can hear a, a creature in the background screwing about. There's a, a Boston Terrier just kind of running around, uh, chewing on things, barking at nothing, and, uh, you know, destru- destroying our room as she pleases. Um, she's not very good for podcasting, but uh, Jen's not here, so she's just kind of bouncing around in here with me, so don't mind that. Uh, no, I think it's kind of fun because you're you're in the middle of saying something really serious. I heard a little like right in the middle of your right in the break of your talk. Like that's gonna be hard to edit out. So please, no, there's there's hardly any editing in here. We're keeping it in. This is amateur to the max. Good, thank you. Keeping it real, you know. <laughs> keeping it indie. It's my 
you know, it's it's my first record out here, and I'm just going in and I'm recording <laughs> live and just keeping what I got. Or as I like to say, keeping it rural. Oh, uh, well, you are from Saint, the St. Louis area, so <laughs> keeping it real with Nelly and his gang. Oh, yeah, he, he got caught for, mar- uh, for marijuana and heroin a couple hours ago, apparently. Wow. So. See, we're right on the ball here. So this is all, you think this is all just from the top of the head, but this is all planned. We're yeah. rolling right into the next topics. <laughs> How many hard drugs have you taken? <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, the thing about that is, uh, uh, we're thinking of breaking up. <laughs> no, uh, we can get, we can get into me. We'll just, we'll just keep this going. I have never taken any drug, never smoked anything, never, nice. no any drugs, no cigarettes, just booze, but uh, very uh, sparingly as compared to many other touring musicians i i don't want to use this word incorrectly but would that be would you be considered some level of straight edge because of that um i never knew anyone who was straight edge so uh, i think that's something you kind of announce and you write big x's on your hand and you make it a big ordeal like i never shun people for doing it and you know i just had my own reasons for not doing it but i i never consider myself any of that because any of the people I met or knew people who were straight edge, just they seem like jerks. Like yeah. they, yeah. <laughs> they were very self-aware. They made you know that hey, I'm straight edge. It's like I, I was just eating. Like I didn't even talk about that at all. It just seemed like it was never anything beside that. That's all they were. So I, it was just my own choice, and uh, I didn't shun anyone else for doing that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I think. I think there's a lot of assumptions that come with musicians, especially those on the road, and that's one of them. They're they're getting into drugs. They're fooling around. Uh, what other what other stereotypes have you come across, or have people thought of you as a musician on the road? Right. Would you no, just I'm ask? Asking, I'm a- say that <laughs> I'm again. asking you. Uh, you tagged a question right there at the end. I was about to ask you a question. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. It, I mean. It's got to be different for you. A lot of people who come across you kind of know what you're about and know that you're not really a sketchy guy. But have have you talked to anyone who doesn't know your music and say, like, yeah, I'm a tour musician? They're like, oh, I've heard of your kind. Yeah. <laughs> like, has anyone get, thrown any stereotypes your way or assumed anything about? Yeah, I mean, I I guess this is always the assumption with just about everybody that I meet that doesn't quite know which you know ignorance is bliss i guess but like people that assume that music uh is like kind of like the plan b it's like oh i couldn't become an astronaut so i guess i'll just play music for a living you know and uh i think that's a that's a big misconception for people it's like the the cop out um really yeah i mean first for a lot of people that i've talked to like oh okay they don't think they don't really take it as like a serious thing oh that's true it's not people in the music industry, but like people, like when you go home and like someone asks you, "What do you do?" and it's like, "I play music," and it's like they don't really know what that means, right? And they don't really have an aspiration to know. They just kind of have their preconceived notions and just kind of hold on to that. So, yeah, there is a a silliness that seems to come with it. Like they think you're a kid in your room, just you know, playing guitar, and like, oh, that's that's cute. You play music. So yeah. what else do you? Like no, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> but, or it's, uh, 
I've it's always like, been amused by the uh, the stereotypes and the assumptions that come with announcing yourself as a musician or a touring musician. Right, right. Um, and then the obvious assumptions that you're homeless too. Well, that's not far off. That's you literally are homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I think in two or three years of touring, eh, maybe like four or five years of touring, we stayed in a hotel twice or three times. We. I think we essentially were homeless. If people viewed or knew how we slept in our circumstances, I mean, not different than anyone else, but yeah, I, I think if you put the description of a homeless person next to a tour musician, there'd be more than several crossovers. There'd be plenty <laughs> of things that are in common. Right, right. I guess, but you're you're making a sacrifice to get something done. And that's the difference. Like, if you got done with the tour and you just lived on the street, literally right. on the street for weeks, then it'd be like, okay, yeah, musicianship is your 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 plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's like, no, this is my passion, and some things you have to, you know, you have to adjust parts of your life to make this work. You know, that's it's different. You know. Yeah, that's true. So uh, after all this interrupting going back and forth, we just keep sailing on as this is a very professional podcast, as you can tell. Um, so you were talking about you got into bands in high school, you started a cover band. Do you remember the first album that kind of got you thinking, I'd like to seriously pursue music? Of or the my, first song? Of my music or of the No. Uh, okay. An album you heard, a f- you know, friend showed you something, or you heard something on the radio, something that clicked, where you're like, I kind of want to give this a go. Oh man, there's, a, I mean, there's a there's a lot of bands. I mean, I I grew up like going to coffee shops and stuff like that, just to, like watch bands. I think it's just seeing other bands um, that are close to me. And honestly, like my favorite band in the world, like just local guys mm-hmm. getting up there and playing and be like. Oh, this is awesome! Like in the, in just the community that comes along with it. I mean, like, man, I want to be a part of this community, you know. And uh, I mean, obviously, there are some bands out there that I loved going to watch, you know, on tour. Um, I loved seeing Sufjan Stevens play live. I got to see him one time, and that that changed my life a little bit. Wow. Um, and then also, there's a there's you know a lot of good bands out there that I always watch come through, like uh, Deus Vale. They's come through town a lot, and they were, you know, phenomenal. Still are a phenomenal band, and just like realizing that, especially now, you know, with radio being the way it is, like, if you have, if you have a talent, like, and you're remotely good, and you have a passion, I mean, you can be just as successful as the next guy out there. So you know, what's stopping you other than you know the passion behind it? So, um, did that, did that answer that correct? <laughs> or did yes, I- it did. Um, do you remember the first show you went to? The first show? Yeah. No, I don't. Because I don't remember the first show I went to. Actually, the, I'll take that back. The first show I went to was Genesis with my parents. Oh, that's legit. <laughs> that's pretty legit. My uh, my fam rolled deep in Phil Collins' knowledge, so that's um, just how that started. All, like, my parents, all they loved us listen to growing up was mainly Christian music. Okay. So I know one of the first bands I saw was, like, DC Talk, and uh, which if you don't know who they are, you're you've been blessed. Um, <laughs> they had some fun songs, but 
you know, it's just like that subculture that they try to trap you in. Yeah. And they didn't really like, like going to music. I think, but then, uh, this sounds weird, but the only band I listened to from eighth grade through like, no, like seventh grade through like freshman year was Metallica. That is awesome. <laughs> That's literally all I, my, my, uh, my, uh, MSN screen name was uh, Sandman 2K6, which is the year. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask what your album was, but now I can just go with the Black album. <laughs> Actually, I just my favorite um, my favorite album wasn't the Black album. My favorite album was probably um, was probably And Justice for All. Okay, but deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. So when when are you gonna sit cash down and? put on Injustice for All and say, you know, this, this is music. I'm, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll give him a little while. I mean, <laughs> Wait till he turns four when he gets mature. I mean, new Metallica, like St. Anger on, you know, oh, that all sucks. They're like a, Actually, it, I, I, I don't know what the name of the album is called. Is it Battery or something? The, the very last album they did, I've heard songs off of it that, I guess, since I heard St. Anger, made me think, well, this isn't terrible. But that isn't to say that it's anything from, yeah, from like the old albums. Yeah. Well, I, okay, let me rephrase. I listened to St. Anger and I hated it so bad. Right. I was like, I'm never going to, they're done. Yeah. So I've never listened to anything past St. Anger. So I guess yeah. I am a little bit ignorant. So you're going to well, be getting a lot of angry emails, including Calica and Straight Edge stuff. Well, I'm really trying to just weed all the people, the potential listeners. I'm trying to really get this into a subgenre so small that it ends up being just <laughs> me and the people I interview. So <laughs> it's a really, it's a really select audience, and I'm and I'm really I'm gonna try to push the people I'm interviewing as well. I don't want them to listen to this either. Just mm-hmm. just me, really. Right. It's like if you went to the record store to find this podcast, it'd be like other. Right. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. You'll never find it. Well, that if if someone asked me what I thought Owen Pye's first big album that he listened to a lot, I would never guess Injustice for All or anything in the genre of metal or heavy music. <laughs> so I'm that's, learning something new tonight about you. That's literally all I listen to. Um, but in my my uh, password had something to do with Metallica, Naturally. and my one of my best friends growing up, he came up to me like a year ago. I saw him, and he goes, "Is your password still?" And he named off the Metallica reference. And I was like, yeah, man, it's still that. <laughs> so you guys listening could probably crack my uh, passwords awesome. out there. But So how do you go from listening to Injustice for All and not getting into a metal band? How does that not work? Because I feel like the first albums you listen to are the bands that you get into and that's the music that you essentially create is from the first things you're listening to. Right. There were There were a couple guys that I tried to play with uh, just for fun to see if it would work, and there was one actual group that was pretty good, and that and the the drummer was kind of metal, and the guitar player was kind of metal, and I went to one, maybe two practices of theirs, and uh, the second practice, they were all doing whippets, so I was like, eh, I'm gonna get out of this, so I didn't. <laughs> I didn't you weren't metal play. enough. <laughs> I, I was like, I, and I didn't really know what it was in the moment. I was like, what are they doing? And I finally figured it out, and uh, so that was like my main experience with like going down the metal path. And I'm not saying that everyone involved with metals like that, but I think that was just like me going, ah, I'll just, I'll just stay back here. 
it wasn't seeing behind the music and looking at the old Metallica videos of them just like getting wasted and doing hardcore drugs. It was three kids in a garage doing whippets. That's <laughs> that's what strayed you from the path. <laughs> I can only imagine had you seen the behind the music what you would have thought. <laughs> so I don't know, man. And I mean, uh, I still like metal. I still I yeah. still listen to like the newer stuff. It's I mean, I'm not a I'm not a metalhead anymore, though, man. It's like yeah. all, it's all pretty chill music now. But I st- what uh, what do you make of actually the first podcast I did? Uh, we talked a little bit about metal, and I brought up a question, and I said, "Why do you think metal always has this devout fan base, no matter how good the band is?" Like it seemed like any time we went to, there was a metal band I'd never heard of, and they draw four times as many people as us, and <laughs> They were just garbage. Man, um, I don't know what that is. I think it's just like, I don't know. I mean, you can get away with it because it's yeah. like, even if it's bad, it's like you can always turn it up and and you can feel it. Uh, that's true. And a lot of that music is feel. It's just being there and being intense and just kind of getting your angers out from the week. Yeah, yeah. I, so maybe that is. It's just it's essentially yoga for fifty year old women. <laughs> It's just, you know, metal for prepubescent teens. But I don't know, maybe you can agree with me on this. Like, the the guys that were in the metal bands were always, like, the sweetest dudes. Yeah. I don't, maybe that, what, I mean, there's something there. Like, they got all their angst out, you know, while they were playing. And they, you know, it's us indie guys, like, <laughs> that were just, well, even, I mean, I hate to throw this in your face, but to me, Dr. Manhattan had a little, had a little bit of, metal undertones in it yeah yeah and, we and were big a big cannibal corpse fans so yeah not in a bad way <laughs> not in a bad way no 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 i don't take that as an offense i i still listen to metal out just today i was listening to uh misery signals and uh some other metal bands that i like so i mean there's a place for it i don't hate on all of it there's still good hard hardcore yeah. and metal bands up but they're there just always seemed to be this thing where every bill there was a metal band and there was always people there to watch them. So I, I always just wondered if like metal had this kind of underlying X factor thing where it's like, you know, no matter how good the show is, it's still metal. So I'll still go see it. Yep. Yep. But, but um, we just totally veered off of something you were talking about before listening to metal. But uh, is there what do you what do you make of metal today because a lot of it is you know uh pretty generic sounding it's you know not not a lot of it's being repeated i mean that's every genre but um i think the stereotype is like rise records yeah like the metal bands on there which is unfortunate because there are good bands on rise but um yeah there seems to be like a sound that kind of comes with that other bands any metal bands that you get into that you still like or newer bands that kind of stopped you in your tracks yeah um i i guess i don't want to mislead anyone into thinking that that i have a professional or a credible opinion on metal these days (laughs) you know i think everyone has a credible opinion on metal these days (laughs) i I did pop on the i I turn on the radio a couple of times and i'd flip over to like the harder station and they'd play a cool metal song, and it was like, I can't handle like the. Uh, I know I'm gonna get some, 
flack for this. Someone listening is not going to like this. But the uh, Avenged Sevenfold Band, yeah, I can't do it, man. It's just like yeah. it's complete. The stuff that you like in that music, it's just a copy of you know old Metallica records. Yeah, in my opinion, I know it's it's just my opinion. But well, I, I, I guess I like more harder music than I do metal anymore. Um, some of those example. bands that I liked are like uh, you know Under Oath. Okay, yeah, and uh, a band called As Cities Burn. Oh, we can get into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's not really metal. I, I wouldn't call it metal, but it I don't know. For me that it's metal now. Yeah. yeah. It's like harder it's like the hardest stuff I listen to now. So you must be pretty excited uh about Under Oath's last tour. Have you seen this lineup? Oh my gosh, Me Without You and, and As Cities Burn. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's Speaking good. of As Cities Burn, um I, I, I go back and forth because I have friends who are big metalheads. Mm-hmm. And they really loved their first album. Yep. Uh, was that Son, I Love You at Your Darkest? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I wasn't introduced to that album. The first album I heard was Come Now Sleep. Yep. And not knowing they were a metal band, I heard that album and was just blown away. Like, that mm-hmm. could be a top ten album for me even today right now. Yeah. Um, so then I went back because I had friends go, oh, you have to hear the first album. And it didn't do anything for me because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, hearing the second album, it just kind of set a different precedent. Yep. Um, being a fan of the band, what what's your opinion on that? Dude, that is a that's classic because I, I first heard him on the first album. Yeah. I loved it, and then I heard um, "Come Now Sleep," and I, I love that too. So I, I guess fe- I it heard... feels like that could have been a really polarizing album for a lot of people. Yeah. Because it's completely different. Oh, totally. But it is great because it. I mean, obviously there was a member change mm-hmm. there, and that had a lot to do with it. Um, I went and saw him play uh, during that album when it came out, and uh, it was awesome. They they were really good, but it was a bummer because they only played like 20 minutes because they were opening from for some stupid metal band. It was like uh, Al- Alisana or something. Oh, boy. Yeah, they were opening for them, which is just, you know, that's all backwards, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, but man, I I thought that album was was awesome too. It was just different. Yeah. So I think I just I got blessed with hearing it in the right order. Yeah. Because so, I think, I think it's better oh, if you go that way. I was thinking it's better if you start up thinking, oh, this is a harder band, and then listen to, like the new stuff and then go, oh, this isn't this isn't all they can do, you know? Yeah. So, I think I have to go back and uh, listen to that first album again because, like I said, I do like metal. Um, I just think I loved Come Now Sleep so much that hearing that album, something about it wasn't the same. It was like, it, because it was backwards that I heard Come Now Sleep, and that sounded like that was the band to me. So then hearing the first album, it's like, oh, they just added a guy who screams now. Like <laughs> it, it seemed like they sold out, like it was in reverse to me. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah that album, and the album after that, uh, Hell or High Water, is a strong album as well. Yep. Um, but Come Now Sleep is, yeah, it's a top tenner for me. Yeah. Um, any other strong, while we're talking about top ten kind of albums, not necessarily anything that's, like, shaped your music. Well, you could say that, but, like, you don't need to, a- to name Sufjan Stevens or bands like yourself. Right. Uh, any albums that are in your top ten that you can think of? Man, I know this sounds weird, and... um you know, like I was talking earlier about the uh, guy that I covered his song 
and then uh, he he's actually runs the record label that I'm on now. But right. his old band, they're called Bleach. Yeah. And uh, the album's called Again for the First Time. And it's one of those albums that um, people don't really, they just kind of glance over because it was marketed as a, quote, you know, Christian music record. Mm-hmm. But it it's so much more than that. It's so freaking good. It's it's still one of those albums I can listen to from beginning to end and go, oh, my gosh, it's so good. Um, I, I don't know what it is, man. There's not a lot of songs in CDs like that. But that, that CD, start to finish, I'm telling anyone listening, get it. If you don't like it, I'll you know I'll send you five, I'll PayPal you five bucks. <laughs> wow, that's a strong endorsement. Right, right. I'm um, sure Davey loves to hear that from you. He, he doesn't care. He'd probably embarrass <laughs> anything about about that. But uh, they played uh, at this festival. They did a ten year uh, reunion show. Yeah. Of that record, and they played it in its entirety. And man, it was it just pulled my heartstrings the whole time. It was so perfect. Because I mean, you know, they're you know they don't play together anymore, but right. so it was surreal that it was even happening in front of my face, but uh, you know, but yeah, that record, uh, Illinois by Sufjan's my top ten. Uh, That's a good one as well. Oh yeah, and Jillian, actually, my wife just bought us tickets to go see him in Chattanooga. What a good wife! All the tickets are sold out, man. But it's just twenty bucks. I was like, well, I'm making a road trip. <laughs> That sounds like a good road trip. Um, going back on what you were just talking about, actually, um, it seems like in the past couple of years, a lot of bands have been doing their reunion tours, and we're going to tour this old album, and we're going to get back together and do 10 years this album has been around. Um, and I'm not sure if it's... A lot of people speculate that you know, all these bands are broke, and they're just trying to make a coin, but I think... I think it's so much more than that, especially, I mean, you can't tell that to someone who's a fan of Bleach that, you you know, they're all just broke and they're looking to, yeah. you know, make a quick dime. It's like, right. that album meant a lot to a lot of people. So you gather all those people in a room and you start that first note on that album and it's, it's like you're transported back yeah. to middle school or whenever you heard that album. <laughs> Such a meaningful experience. So I think while there is the little issue of like why do i have to pay forty dollars to see this band or thirty dollars it's like it's you're paying thirty dollars to talk to your inner self to <laughs> meet with that child inside and hang out for 40 minutes yep dude so I, I think it's cool that there's a lot of that going on i i was just saying the other day that i don't think i've paid for as many concerts in the last year than i have my whole life because oh, there's man. been so many good bands coming through Shoot, I mean, now further seems forever is coming out. Yeah, come on, the list goes. The list just keeps going on and on. I mean, part of me is like, okay, that's enough. But, <laughs> but, but the other part of me is like, no, this has to happen. And I, right. I wonder. I don't know what it is. Maybe something's in the water. But it seems like everybody agreed is like, hey, this would be a good idea if we yeah. did this again. And I'm sure there are a couple out there where it is, you know, because of money. You know, yeah, they're trying to relive it for a moment but i don't know i i have a, i have a hard time believing that there isn't another purpose for it i think we're starting to see correct me if i'm wrong but like when i was in you know high school people went to shows when i got out of high school people kind of slowly stopped going to shows mm-hmm. and now i think slowly they're starting to go to shows again yeah um so i think we're I'd seeing agree. the pendulum swing back again yeah and maybe that's maybe these bands coming out is going to give it a little jump start to that so 
who knows? I think it's an exciting time to be in a band while a lot of people just crap on the music industry and say, you know, it's in a tailspin and there's a lot to deal with and consider. But, I mean, you're seeing a lot of bands come through. Like, I'm kicking myself because Lagwagon just came through Chicago and they never come. Yeah. And I didn't go. And I'm just immediately regretting it because <laughs> it's like it could be another 10 years if they ever come again. So Oh, yeah. Seems like a lot of bands are starting to pull in the reins and like get back on the road and do things again. So it's kind of exciting to see, like, especially bands you listen to in high school that maybe if you would have gone in high school, you wouldn't have cared as much. And now you're older and you're going, you're like soaking it up even more. Yeah. Like we appreciate it so much more. Maybe, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it has something to do with the Mayan calendar. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I just had a conversation with my dad the other day, and uh, it amazes me that people still really think that's going to happen. And you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poo-poo on anyone who really <laughs> thinks that. You, everyone's entitled to their own beliefs, but I don't know, man. I, it, it just, it just seems like every three months there's been another reason to be scared. And I used to have like a huge fear of Armageddon when I was in middle school or and like it was coming to the year 2000 i remember i was like crippling fear and then that came and passed and then like every six months there's been a theory of something happening and it's just i'm like too tired of hearing it i'm like if it happens it happens but I mean, at this point i'm just too tired of being worried about it right and i think our generation that lived through the y2k is just yeah. kind of over it it's like come on <laughs> you know we listen to yeah. prince like this is it <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and nope, didn't happen. Okay, my yeah. computer still works. But Prince is touring, so I don't know if that's saying anything. <laughs> Maybe the end of the world is coming. He was warning us. Yeah. We have to all party like it's 1999, <laughs> because the world is about 10. Um, something I wanted to get into with you, uh, yeah. we're coming close to an hour, so I'm not going to hold you for much longer. Um, but something that interests me there's like two topics I want to talk to you about. And sure. one was being a touring musician with a family, yeah. that balance. And the other is being a singer who is based in Christianity and having religion be a big part of your music. Right. What, what hurdles, like what issues do you deal with having that be a prevalent part of your music? Cause I think a lot of people hear, Oh, you're a Christian singer. Like, I don't want your theories. I don't want your issues jammed down my throat. Right. And so I'm just curious what your take is on that. Like how, what do you have to deal with in that world? Right. Well, um, like honestly, man, it's a weird, it's a weird thing being the kind of musician that I am. Cause it's like, um, they call it CCM, like contemporary Christian music. And I wouldn't consider myself a CCM artist, but I also wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say that I don't write Christian music ever, so it's kind yeah. of like I'm, I'm like the I'm like the guy that um, plays in churches and plays in bars, and like yeah. I don't really see the difference as far as like there's a there's a desire to play in both for me. Mm -hmm. um, I guess like my songs just come from my life, so it's like you know obviously you know being a Christian is a huge part of that, and like my faith has a huge part of that, but. Um, when I write a song, it's like 
I don't write it to like push an agenda on anybody. Yeah. I just write it because like, okay, I'm dealing with this right now, and this is what I'm learning through this, or this is like, you know, um, this is something I read in my Bible, or this is a conversation that I had, you know, with a friend of mine, or this is a sermon I heard, and then like I take it just kind of all wraps into a song, and it's like, okay, this is the life lesson that I'm learning here. Or this is what I think I'm supposed to be learning here. Or just telling a story about what happened to me. I mean, there's not really anything to prove or disprove there. It's just like, hey, this is what happened to me once. And I mean, anybody would agree that, you know, Christian or not, like you can't deny something that happened to someone's personal experience. Same thing I wouldn't, if someone told me their story, I wouldn't be like, now hold on a second. Don't prove this to me. You know, um, that'll never be like my thing. I'll never be... um, like trying to push my agenda on anybody. Um, first and foremost, like music, I think is the common denominator. Yeah, and that's like what brings people out to shows. Like me being a Christian doesn't bring people out to shows, and me not being a Christian doesn't bring people out to shows. Like the music brings people out to shows. Yeah, and uh, like for that moment, like my only goal is to like play a good song for somebody, and then when I get off the stage. My only goal is to become friends with that person, and uh, like if they, if they, at some point in life, you know, that talk comes where it's like, hey, why did you write this song? Like, I'll answer the question, and uh, I'll try to, you know, be candid where I'm supposed to be, or like, be um, to the point. Um, so I guess for me, it's just like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a sinner. You know, everybody's a sinner, and like, just like dealing with that sin, and like growing from it and uh just writing a song about it you know did i answer that correctly (laughs) there is no right or wrong when you're talking to me um i know i just i think like you said the common denominator the common denominator is music and you know what you're talking about good music good music's good music and I think that really connected with me when I heard Come Now Sleep because mm-hmm. they're talking about really heavy issues and I've always been, you know, fascinated with religion and philosophy and that album especially was a big one for me musically and lyrically just hearing that struggle and go yeah. through that regardless of how I feel about it a good story is a good story and um. Dude, uh, that's why that album really holds strong to me. Because regardless of what I think about religion, like that's a good story. Yeah, man. There's a there's a song um, on Sufjan's record called uh, "John Wayne Gacy Jr." Okay. And uh, have you heard that song? I don't think so. I mean, it's it's freaking it's so phenomenal. Like, I wouldn't ever. Most people wouldn't look at that song and say this is a Christian song. Mm-hmm. And and uh, for the right reasons, but like basically, songs about John Wayne Gacy Jr., you know, the guy that was a serial killer, you know, molested tons of boys, you know, chopped them up, put them underneath their, his floorboards. Um, it's a pretty crazy story. Yeah. And so he sings this whole song, and you're expecting him to be like, "Yeah, that sicko," you know, or sing the song. But the last lyric is, uh, "And in my best behavior, I'm really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets that I've hid." And I'm like, every time I hear that lyric, I get freaking chills down my, <laughs> down my freaking spine, you know? Because it's like, heavy. he just brings into perspective, it's like, you know, that's what being a Christian is. It's like, 
this sin isn't worse than this sin. It's like it's all the same. It's all separation. Yeah. And uh, and how it's it's kind of just levels everyone out like, hey, we're all messed up. Um, and we, you know, we need uh, we need someone bigger than ourselves to help us out of this. So, like, yeah. for me, like, you know, Sufjan didn't – he wrote an awesome song, had an awesome story, and then he had, a you know, something to throw on there. Christian or not makes you think and go, oh, wow. Like, I judge everyone by my own, like – thoughts and it's just good man yeah. and so i guess for my like that song is like to me like a huge goal of like okay every song i write needs to be like that one where it's not necessarily always a christian meaning but just it makes everyone think christian or not you know are they you know are they in a good place right now but yeah it's a it's a freaking good song like if the song sucked it's like who cares what he has to say right you know? If you, man, you got to go listen to that song. Give you freaking chills. So I'll have to listen to that record again because uh, I definitely have it, and I don't know why, but the mix that I have is so incredibly loud when I'm listening in headphones, like in the shuffle. One of those songs will come on, and it just deafens me, and then I immediately skip the song because I'm just like, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even care to hear what the song is because it's. I don't know why it's so loud, but uh. I think if, if as long as I can EQ that a little bit, I can enjoy that album and give it an honest listen. I love just how old we are getting. As like, ah, it's well, too just loud. thinking Sufjan Stevens being too loud. Like I'm sure that's good enough for a laugh right there. That any album like that could be too loud, but for some reason it just like cranked so loud over every other album I have. <laughs> I don't get it, but um, I, yeah, I just like I said, I'm. I'm just fascinated with being a musician who has strong beliefs and not necessarily having to defend those or, you know, when you're on stage, I don't, I think for what I remember, you aren't very preachy. You're not trying to tell people what to believe in. Like you're very respectful about that, but there are other bands who go on stage and they asked to pray and with everyone and like it's it's a much bigger show and not yeah. that one's better than the other but um i think i i'd res i respect someone who is not you know really kind of getting into that with me because it's that's just like someone go on stage and starting to talk about you know any topic they're super passionate about and jamming it down your throat like just like we're here to enjoy some music don't right. get on your agenda. And like you said, your music doesn't have an agenda. It's maybe what you're going through has to do with your religion or your any issues you may have, but that has nothing to do with how you're influencing your listeners. Like you right. get you right. have different experiences whether, you know, they're from whatever in your life. Right. And so man, like I think I, cool. I I've been in the in the at the shows too where I hear the the band start out like that. And not yeah. the not to bash bands like that, because I do, I do feel like sometimes, like in churches and stuff, there is a place for that. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, it seems like a cop out. Like it seems like, um, especially, and I'm, and I, I want to say this like, without hurting any feelings, but I'm like, some bands I feel like they don't have a deep message. Yeah. Um. So they have to, they have to just lay out this like, statement to where if you don't agree with them. And don't like it, then you're automatically like an anti-Christian, or yeah. or 
anti the church. So like someone out there that might not even really own that, they're going to sit there and be like, oh, this band's awesome because they're, you know, hardcore. But I'm like, right. if it's the same thing with like Death Cab's like one of my favorite bands. But I remember like them getting up there one time and like going on and on about how horrible Bush was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Like, I don't, I don't like Bush either. But I'm like, is that really, is that really the place for it? Or is yeah. it, can they just write a song and let, and play it for us, you know? Yeah. And if you have like a really strong conviction and like, you know, hey, I want to tell you guys something that happened or about this song, that's one thing. But it's like, it's like getting out there and be like, Planned Parenthood sucks. Here's a <laughs> song. And like, that's just such a bolt. Like, it's a cop out. It's like, here's a song about lemonade. <laughs> right. It has nothing to do with it. I just, I'm just yelling opinions. Right, right. So it, it just, it just, I feel like the bands sell themselves short sometimes when they just come out with, uh, with the black and white and there's no, then people don't even want to hear the gray because it's already tainted. It's already, they're already hearing um, that black and white every song. There's never even, you know, in any argument or debate, you know, you don't start out with saying, Nick, you're wrong about this and here's why. Like, the, who starts a conversation like that? Right. Like, you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're, you have no respect for the people. And I'm not saying, like, if you're playing at church, you know, pray, you know, and you're playing, you know, worship songs like i get it you're praying and like whatever but and like i guess i've been to too many christmas christian festivals where like that like <laughs> it's like every other band it's like oh they prayed they're probably going to sell more merch than i did you know yeah and that sounds bad but like that's like what's going through my head and i'm like well i don't think jesus it seems like a marketing thing sometimes where it's you have to yeah you have to establish what you're about because you're on stage and that helps sell records and then yeah especially at a a festival like that not to say that you know other bands at other festivals don't play that same game in other ways yeah um i I just remember playing agape fest with you that was my first time going to a christian music fest and kind of experiencing that and it it was good because i got both sides of it i (laughs) got to no in a in a totally honest way yeah. I got to play with musicians who have strong Christian beliefs or believe otherwise from me. Yeah. And they were very cool and didn't shove it down my throat or even talk about it. And and, and I'm not uncomfortable talking about it. I yeah. can, you know, I, I like talking about philosophy and religion. But other experiences I've had are people who are strong Christians like, that's all they have in their life. That's all they have to talk about. And in that I just have no business talking to that person because right. there's so many other things I want to get into. But that festival, I saw both sides of it. I hung out with the guys in your band who were very cool and we just talked about whatever. And then there was people, it seemed like they were in other bands and yeah, they went on stage and they were praying and they were after every song thanking Jesus. And it's, you know... It's not to say that that's corny or that's, you know, it's a lie. Because if that's what you believe, I mean, who am I to say that you're wrong to do that? But like you were saying, it's like at some point it's like, you know, you can go on stage and play music and people can still be all about that without you having to preface it with what you believe in. Right. I mean, but again, that was a Christian music festival. Yeah. It's a whole other ball game, and that was my first time going to one, so I was just kind of absorbing everything around me, and it was it was really interesting. 
I read somewhere, uh, have you ever seen the movie Saved with Macaulay Culkin? A long time ago, and I didn't see the whole thing. So we'll just say no. Well, apparently, I mean, basically the premise of the movie is like, they take like the corniest moments of Christianity and put it into a movie. And it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, obviously probably supposed to be an insult, but for, you know, actual Christians, it's just kind of like, oh, this is a wake up call. Like we need to, you know, be able to accept what people think about that. Yeah. And, uh. Um, I think uh, Macaulay Culkin went to like Cornerstone or one of the Christian festivals, like to kind of research his role kind of thing mm-hmm. before he, before he's in the movie. And uh, I guess everyone just from his presence just assumed that he was a Christian and like asked him to get up and like talk and all this oh, stuff. Wow. And it was like kind of like a that just you know that right there was like oh you can't come to this festival unless you're like a diehard Christian. It's like yeah, you don't want to throw you don't want to lose anybody. You don't want people to not come because. They're not Christians. You don't want people to come just because they're Christians, because then it's like this holy huddle where it's like, you can you can play really bad music here, but as long as you say it's you know yeah. Jesus, it's it's okay. You know, I, I don't think that's that's good. I, I think we're, we need to be, you know, God is a you know creator and He created the world and the world's awesome. Like we like the world, you know. So it's if that's if that's true, then like we also need to strive to be creative. So we don't mm-hmm. we don't want to get up there and. Um, you know, do a finger painting and it's like really bad and be like, this is the best, you know, because right. I'm a Christian or whatever. So, that, yeah, hopefully I'm not, now hopefully I'm not pushing my agenda too much where I'm like jaded towards the Christian music industry because I'm, that's not the case, but I'm just trying well, to the honesty here. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point because as I'm kind of thinking about what you're saying, you know, festivals today are very diverse. It's, not so much a hip-hop festival and an indie band festival and a metal festival. They're all just combining. Yeah. And Warp Tour used to be all punk, but now there's hip-hop and there's metal and there's folk bands. So to me, just hearing this is a Christian music festival, it has this connotation that's like, well, why separate yourself? That yeah. kind of gives it this bad taste of mouth in my mouth. Like, if this band played at Warp Tour and I saw them and I didn't know they were a Christian band, that wouldn't change my opinion. I'd like their music if they're good. But yeah, yeah. to to hear Christian music festival, if you're not religious or you don't really have any beliefs in that, you're probably not going to go to that festival because totally. there's just too many, yeah, too many negative connotations that come with Christian music festival. Do you, do you run into that sort of thing where you play a festival like that and... I'm sure it's just as fulfilling, but at the same time, it's like, you know, had we called this something else, we could have got 10,000 more people to come to this or yeah. Yeah. do it's, you, do you deal with not only just festivals, but being a singer who is considered like a Christian folk singer, do you think that that comes with a stigma? Oh yeah, it totally does. Um, you know, like it's tough as I was saying, like to get those shows too, like you'll try to get a show at a church and a church will see like the bar on your venue list and it's like oh this guy seems kind of weird maybe we won't mm-hmm. book him and then you try to play the bar and they see like the church on your list and it's uh, like yeah. oh this guy kind of seems kind of weird we won't book him so it's it's that tough that but you know what it's what I signed up for because I want to be I want to be involved in both I don't yeah. want to be like I'm never going to play you know this or that and I do know a couple of you know quote Christian artists that kind of basically laid it out as a band like they won't play churches because they don't want to be labeled that stigma because they are so much more than just a quote 
Christian band. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's it's uh, the same thing for like any band out there. They don't want to be just labeled as like, oh, they're the they're the pro life band. You know, like the yeah. Who wants that? Like, um, you want to be a good band, and you you know you write songs that change people's lives for better or for worse. That's what that's what your goal is, man. So hopefully that uh. I think these festivals like Warp Two are like melting together. I think it's a good thing. I think we need yeah. to, as Christians, learn something from it. You know, <laughs> and uh, well, I think both sides because, I mean, the worst examples of any group ruin it for any other group. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a documentary like Jesus Camp, yeah, and if you think <laughs> that every Christian is like that, then there's no way you're going to a Christian music fe- festival, right? You know, it's. But then again, there's crazy right-wingers, there's crazy left-wingers. Like, if you're only seeing the extremes, then you're not going to hang out with anyone. Right. So those people are putting a bad taste in everyone's mouth. So I think just integrating Christian bands or bands, even if they're religious, that don't talk about it, putting them at festivals that don't say they're Christian music festival, just having them play as another band like any other band there. Right. I think that is progress and not segregating it. Cause it just, yeah, I, I don't know anyone. I mean that just in my world that if I said, Hey, let's all go to a Christian music festival that I'd have a full car to go to it. <laughs> like, and, and I just, I think that's sad because there's, there are really great bands yeah. that are Christian bands and, you probably know plethoras of artists I've never heard of that are great, but you know, the one I always go to is S cities burn and I'm sure that they don't go out and preach. I've never seen them live, but I'd imagine a band like that. Maybe they do, but bands that are successful aren't preachy bands, but what do I know? Because there are those, what's that band third day or whatever yeah those huge christian bands that i'm sure that's all they're about and they're raking in millions so what do i know right what is what is a band like that or uh what's the other one is then is there a christian band called the newsboys oh yeah (laughs) i had like one experience with that band and i i used to live in a townhouse with my mom and i got locked out so i went to the neighbors to hang out actually just to use their bathroom but um i had nowhere to go for like three hours and they were super christian family so they didn't have like a color tv like i mean that has nothing to do with that there was just like they were like cavemen to me i was like what are you doing and i think (laughs) they were they put on the newsboys and they're like oh you like music you're in a band and they put that on i was like uh yeah (laughs) but i i remember we were talking about uh that band third day because one of their records the artwork looks just like, like a radiohead head album just like and Radiohead album do you know i know exactly i can't think what of what about what's the radiohead album um is it the on a blank um hail to the thief yeah that's it that's it and i remember when i worked at barnes and noble i didn't know who third day was or what kind of band they were and looking through the music, I pulled that album and I was like, what? This is... And then I like went to the Radiohead album and I just looked at them and I was like, 
how is this This not a thing? How is this not an issue? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how that how that happened and how no one caught that, or if they did, you know how they hushed tucked it away so well because. But I guess they just figured that no one would ever put the two together because they're in two different worlds, you know? Right. But we figured it out, Nick. (laughs) We're at the bottom of it. (laughs) So I I think whatever industry you're in, Christian or non, like just striving to be a good songwriter, like that's that's always going to be the the answer, you know? Because if if you're not a good songwriter, you might as well, it doesn't matter what you call yourself, it's irrelevant after, you know, 30 minutes so that's true man and i think that's a good note to end on um i have one more question i ended the last podcast with this and i'll see if i can keep this going for how long maybe i'll just drop off after this one but uh what uh what do you imagine being on your tombstone what are your famous words to live by or whether the tombstones have you know in the future there's pictures or videos what would yours have on it (laughs) Man, this is a tough question. Yeah, that's um, that's what Mike said. He's like, I think this is your toughest question the whole time. Like, uh, oh, good. I think I should start from here and work forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. I guess. I guess I just, I want my name on there, Owen Pie. Yeah, and then I hope uh, you can hear my dog snoring in the background. The dog snore. That's how boring this is. <laughs> Putting a dog to sleep. Um, he's not big in a religion. Well, she rather. So I mean. There's nothing that's interesting. She doesn't even like music. She's useless. Uh, I, I don't know, man. That's a tough question. Yeah. My wife just walked in. Jillian, help me out. Give me something funny to say. <laughs> um, Jillian, come say hi on this podcast. Come say hi on this podcast. How's it going, Nick? How are you, Jillian? I'm wonderful. Say hi to everybody, not just Nick. Oh, hi, everybody. Well, it's just me right now, so we'll see where it goes. <laughs> Jillian, what's it like to be married to a musician? What are the pros and cons? Ooh, that's a whole can of worms, Nick. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. I'm going to get you, and we're going to get real into it. Just give him one worm. <laughs> I was just talking the other day that I need to write an article to, like, warn both sides of the equation yeah what it means to get into that type of relationship um i think that'd be an interesting article yeah i think it would be good i think it'd have have some funny stuff in it and also absolutely some important things you know but uh i think on your tombstone babe uh it should say i didn't do it i think that's funny. <laughs> what are you urkel <laughs> What? Did you say Urkel from Urkel's Family Matters? Did I do that. Yeah, Urkel's did I do that. That's better. Oh, oh well, I failed. Well played. <laughs> Jillian, Jillian brought it to the plate and Nikki. Yeah, she crushed it. She comes for one minute and just destroys it. Well done, miss. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's good to say hi to you, Jillian. And uh, thanks for talking to me, Owen. I appreciate the hour and 20 you spared. Dude, it was a blast. let you go back to... Uh, being a good husband and a dad out there oh absolutely man thanks for uh thanks for talking to me i, I forgot i completely lost track of time so don't worry about it well good that's either good or that's terrible in a good end. way in a good way <laughs> well perfect um well thanks a lot man again and uh let's try to do this again when i'm a little more experienced and i've uh, got a little more structure to this whole thing instead of a bumbling conversation over the phone okay 
I like it this way though, so don't change too much. Okay, good. I'll sing low so even the deaf might hear a song they can sing even when no one is listening. But everyone that matters, everyone that matters is listening. The only one that matters, the only one that matters is listening. I'm not listening. Sunlight that I'm dreaming. 
sun.